Welcome back to Sad Girl Hours, you guys. This is episode three. Thank you so, so much for listening so far. Uh, that last episode was really rocky and really hard for me uh, to kind of navigate through, and I'm, I'm sure that didn't go unheard. But, I mean, these are open, honest talks, and I, I think that if you put anybody in a hot seat with a mic to kind of go through their whole traumas and everything, that it's going to be a little bit rocky. Um, and a little bit um, just kind of hard to navigate through. So I appreciate you guys for listening to that. Uh, please do give me a rating, drop a comment, email in to the show. If there's anything specific that you guys want to hear about, that's serenasiren14 at gmail.com. I am eventually going to get a new email specifically for the podcast. So I will update you guys when that is the case. Um, really quick before I introduce our amazing guest disclaimer, I was a little bit late with that on the last episode, but this is an 18 and up podcast. We are talking about some pretty controversial things. I really enjoy swearing and I have a hard, I've tried checking myself. I'm just a, a potty mouth. <laughs> so, um, listen to it when maybe there's no kiddos around, things like that, um, but with that being said, I am joined with my amazing friend, Shelby Nye. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I am so good. I'm so glad to have you on this. Um, Shelby and I have been friends for a couple of years now, and it's funny because it kind of just started online, and I just knew people who knew of you, and I think it was quarantine. Like I just decided to make a group chat with you. And our friend Haley over this cute little, like, self-love app, like, this cute little, like, alternate world. And from there, it was just talking every day. All the time. It was, like, multiple times a day, every day. And I'm so yep. thankful and so lucky and blessed to seriously have you in my life. I feel the same way. I, um, If you guys listen to my opening... If you guys have listened to the first episode, I shouted her out because she, I just think, is just one of the most divine human beings. I love her so much. I will always hype her the fuck up. And she's doing really amazing things right now that I'm really excited for. So I kind of to start out just wanted her to kind of introduce herself and what she's about and what she's doing. So honestly, you can kick it off wherever you feel your story starts. Awesome. Well, my name is Shelby. I grew up in here in Utah. This is my hometown. I also grew up in the LDS church, so I was um, a really good, really faithful church-going Mormon until I was about 17, 18, and I uh, decided to explore other paths. In that point, I discovered astrology and just kind of got sucked down this rabbit hole of spiritual concepts. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's led me to a lot of different places. Um, I always thought growing up that I wanted to be a doctor when I got older and that I wanted to go to medical school. and Healer. Yeah. Still a healer, yep. but that's crazy. Different, like a different kind of path. So mm -hmm. finding spirituality and, I don't know, all the things that it's done for my life, it's really taken me 
to where I wanted to be when I was younger, but now instead of doing physical healing through all this different type of medical work and med school and all of this, I'm now able to do healing on a different level that a lot of people don't experience very often in their lives within their inner child and their psyches and kind of through igniting this spark in them to recognize like a catalyst. Exactly. You recognize this power that you stand in, you recognize how divine and how incredible you are and how much of a miracle it is for you to be on this planet at all, even in consciousness at all, and you recognize that Yes, I'm I'm a bad bitch. Yes, I'm here to do what I told the world I was going to do when I came here. And so that's kind of that's where bitch. I'm at. Um, the past year has been a lot, obviously, with everything that's gone on and quarantine and all these crazy things. And the past year, um, I've gotten a calling to kind of dive into witchcraft more and to be able to teach more people about this. And I get I'm a lot of questions. About. So stoked about it's it's uh, so exciting. This has been such a great creationary process, but I know um, I get so many questions between all the people that see my posts on Instagram and on Facebook, and it just got to a point where it was kind of difficult to respond as thoroughly and with as much love as I wanted to for every single person. And so the past year, I've been really diving into what my purpose actually is, what I'm here to be here for, how I can be of most value to the world. And that's just led me to this point where now I get to open this membership that I've been working on for the past eight months. And I've the creationary process has been not just me creating it, but also me creating it in tandem with the spiritual side of things and with spirit in general and following the guidance from my ancestors and all of that just to make sure that this is something that's going to bring a lot of value to help these people find this inner power and so now we've done all of that it launches officially tomorrow and I'm so excited just to see how many people this gets to reach so I am super super excited about it I remember when you reached out to me about your ideas for and how you wanted to map it out and it's just it's genius because the way you explained it to me was I just resonated so hard with it. Like when you first come into the state of consciousness where you are feeling like you're following your divine path, it really opens up a lot of doors and there's a lot of different routes you can take it. And there's not like one set way you can do it, just like pretty much anything in life. So when you're kind of dropped into it, it's like, I'm pretty sure you worded it like you were dropped in New York City with no map, no compass, no nothing, and just had to figure it the fuck out. And there's nothing wrong with that because that's what everybody's been doing for the most part. They just find what they can to fit their practice. Yep, exactly. And try and grow. But if we can have one collective space where we can see the map of routes we can take and follow them, then we can be a little bit more efficient in our growth and maybe even quicker as well. Absolutely, because I've been doing this, I think this year's six years that I've been really diving into everything and like all of my free time is spent reading and researching because I am a lifelong learner. I love to learn and that's, if I have a free moment, that's what I'm doing is I'm learning more and more and more and more about the spiritual world and all of yep. the things that come with that and the different paths and things to go down and the different mythologies and 
all of this and it was There's very a lot. it's very overwhelming especially like when I first was moving into witchcraft specifically outside of just like astrology and tarot but into actual witchcraft practice it was like I grew up in Utah there's nobody here who teaches this. There's nobody here that know, like knows or <laughs> understands what I'm talking about. Like everybody here is largely Christian, largely Mormon, very like looked down on this stuff. There's only like the internet's huge, so there's so much information and not all of it lines up all at once and it's hard to tell, especially like witch talk. Mm-hmm. It's especially for somebody like yes. me who is so because, I mean, realistically, I've been reading Oracle for going on four years. And then I uh, was graduated to tarot. That was a little bit over a year ago, I want to say. Yeah, in October, I think. Yeah. So, and even that, even just, like, specifically tarot with the way that I want to be able to read. Like, there's a lot of study that comes into mm-hmm. that and the numerology and studying the pictures yep. and, like, getting the energies right for things and knowing placements. And it's just – and that's just one small section of it. And then to go outwards and, like, I'm really glad because Logan, that's what him and I first kind of bonded over because he he's a witch. Mm-hmm. And he's practiced since he was super young. And he's dabbled in a lot and actually had mentors – So to have, like, that support and, like, that person where I could kind of start opening up to my practice because I've always been, like, this way. I've always been into this kind Mm -hmm. of stuff. Um, So that was – that's really been (coughs) – that has really been a big catalyst for me. And then once you and I connected, I feel like that has even, like – been a huge part of my practice being broadened a little bit well and it's because there's just like so so much like there's so much general knowledge and then there's so much knowledge about like the shadow and like self-care that like people don't really talk about a whole lot it's like they talk about self-care and they talk about the shadow but then all of a sudden you do this shadow work and you realize like oh, yeah, I have this limiting belief. Oh, yeah, I still have this trauma that I've been carrying that's affecting me still every single day of my life. But, like, what the fuck do I do with it now? Yep. Like, Mm -hmm. so nobody talks about, like, the actual healing process behind that and, like, the work that actually comes into doing the inner work for yourself so that you become standing more in that power. And a lot of, like, like you mentioned, witch talk is... You can only put so much positivity. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You can only put so much content in 60 seconds that it's like you're not getting all the stuff that you need to know about it. You're not doing a a viable amount of research about it. You don't know exactly how it's going to go down. Like, and it's so, it really is very much toxic positivity, which we refer to as spiritual bypassing in deeply in spiritual communities so I like that I like that better than the toxic well because I'm trying I wanted to really try and be better with like specific words used when describing certain things like I just think it can it causes the way like the context around something is and stigmas so I like that a lot a lot more honestly yeah um and you'll see that a lot in a lot of different places because they'll talk about how when you are in that like love and light only that positivity only it's very like you're not learning you're not taking in the sensory input that emotions are meant to give you that's your brain 
like interpreting information that it's receiving from what it's seeing around you. And you have to work through that in order to get rid of it. And if you just bypass it and you just pretend like you're fine and you just pretend like you're It'll happy, just keep it's a forever cycling cycle. back through. Yep. It's just going to be with different people, different situations. Exactly. But the root of it is the same. And we talked about this as well on, on my first episode um, because of the fact that I think a lot of times people misinterpret what self-care is and like what that entails and that's why I really dove a little bit harder into the shadow work stuff because it's something that I um and like you're always healing you're always growing you're always learning you're always changing but um I've definitely recently reached a peak in my healing where it's time where I can actually start letting things go and I've had a horrible year. I had a horrible year. It was so hard. Like, you were there. You saw. And, but I did what I had to do and did the work and sat in it like I was meant to and journaled through it, prayed through it, meditated through it. And, like, there comes a point where you can find that healing. And I think if we as just people in general were more open to talking about the shadow and what that entails and what we can do to work with it and get through things, we would have a lot more healthy human beings walking around this planet. It would be, um, I have a feeling um, shopping carts would be put away a lot of the time (laughs) and our highways wouldn't be so fucking horrible and people would know how to drive with like a conscious, like, oh, there's other people out here that I can impact. Like, it bleeds through in the craziest ways, like grocery shopping, like nobody is... Like, I feel like I get looked at like I'm this little kid. I'm 25 years old, but I'm like, I have more self-awareness in my fucking pinky than you do in your whole body. And you are 60 years old. Like, we, it's just so important to dive into yourselves and, like, find that self-awareness. Yeah. Learn who you are. Absolutely. And then improve. And that's something that, like, our school systems, for example, could do a lot better job with oh, helping yeah. us with um, what we're actually because uh, we are going to be talking today about a little bit heavier topics um, as far as women's rights, specifically due to the newest bills that have been approved in specifically Texas, the newest one. Um, but a lot of what comes down to abortion laws and like women's rights and like a lot of it comes and boils down directly to education absolutely and the lack of it and utah is in i switched them in arizona up on accident so don't quote me on this i know i'm within at least like a five range but we're either like 42nd or 47th in the country for education yep (laughs) we were last in the country for education so it's what they like total the statistic off of is how much money is spent per student and we spend half of what we spend per student I I want to say this was like 2016 or 2017 but half of what we well half of what we spent on inmates that year went to students so for every inmate we were spending like $12,000 towards and every student we were spending like $6,000 towards 
So wow. that's like a huge kind of indicator of like, okay, well, our education system sucks and the numbers just kind of show that like their life progression, what they're valuing and what they want us to someday become because they're spending more money towards that than they are towards the people of the future. Of the growth. Abs- absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, I remember <laughs> for one, you know, I people only need math like in very specific jobs mm-hmm. now. Like I understand back in the day it was a joke to be like, oh, you're not going to have a calculator in your phone. But like now that we do know that we have that, <laughs> and that you don't need things like that for every profession. Why are we forcing kids to memorize these things and go do all these standardized testings um, that a lot of them fail because like uh, a lot of kids are really, really smart. But like as far as test taking or like memorization, like my memory mm-hmm. is trash. It's horrible. I retain a lot of information. But if I can have some sort of reference, like it's just, it's kind of ridiculous the way they have it built out. I think of all the things we could have done because if we could focus in on teaching how to have healthy communication, teaching realistically what healthy relationship Mm -hmm. traits look like and what unhealthy relationship traits look like, Um, actually learn about what consent is, considering Utah just shot that down because Utah. I, like... I understand a lot of people love it out here. I love the scenery. But as far as what this state stands for, I fucking am at, like, my wit's end. It's, yeah, it's really rough. And it's, like, the school system out here, because, like, I remember ninth grade was when they switched us over from what we were doing, like, the regular traditional schooling to Common Core. So I went from doing, like, pre-algebra in eighth grade to, like, college level three matrices in ninth grade. With, like, wow. no explanation of what's going on in between. And so my math skills are, like, nothing. But on top of that, I already wasn't very good at math anyways. I'm not a math-brained human being. I'm not either. And it's very, like, if you take it back to when humans were, like, hunter-gatherers, the way that they educated their people was based on what their greatest talent was, their greatest strength was. Because if they capitalized on that talent and strength, then they had a better chance of survival but now that totally. we're established, they you don't, don't have to worry about things like that as yeah. much. And it's all about the money. Exactly. And it, I feel like it almost kind of turns back because if they realize that, like, people realize they're good at something and they're valued at something and that they mean something and they have an expressive outlet and all of these things, then the world is going to be very different than how it is now. It's going to be very, very different. So I feel like the standardized, standardized testing and the way that they've done Common Core and the way that they choose to teach people that goes against our most ancient nature is in a very specific strategy just to make sure that we conform. We stay within our mm-hmm. mindset of being okay with the 9 to 5 grind, yep. doing the same thing every day, pumping out kids, exactly. chasing the American dream, which I'm not saying... I think the my version of the American dream is a lot different from that and I mean it's just Utah is a little bit different you know if we have any listeners outside of here like the culture is quite a bit different because of the LDS religion Mm -hmm. um there is a lot more pressure out here to even if you are not Mormon have kids get married at a young age and but there's also this pressure um to make sure you're not being a slut 
like slut shaming out here is ridiculous. I remember, and I don't think that this should have been allowed ever, but I remember in my, I don't even know what it was, like a health class. I believe it was Miss Follett mm, at West yes, Point. I know exactly. What I don't, talking did about. you take that class? I did take that so class. So they, I, I talked to my brother about it and I think they still do this just without the creepiness of, so let me lay this out for you people. So <laughs> in this class, there was a specific day where we had to get abstinence bracelets and this teacher would turn the lights down, have a single lit candle at her desk, and we each individually would have to go up, look her in the eye in front of the entire class, promise that we would stay a virgin until a virgin. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't funny, but that was great. <laughs> um, swear that I'm going to be a virgin until I'm married, and then she would use the wax to put the the bracelet on us and there was a girl that was very ahead of her time because she was the only one out of us that understood how wrong this was and she refused and she was slut shamed by the teacher and had to go to the principal's office and got in trouble for it. It's insane to me because I went through the same experience and I just remember because we were like 14 years old when this was happening. This, this is was junior high. Yeah. Like I just feel like it's so it starts at su such a young age because I remember so I remember being in that class I remember having the bracelet put on and her thing was when you got married you sent her in a picture of your like wedding announcement and the cutoff yep. bracelet so she could put it on her wall. And I think I remember that's fucking weird. <laughs> I looked on the wall and my aunt was on the wall from like oh a decade ago and it's like I was like okay. I'm like everybody tells me I'm so much like my aunt like that's what I want to be is I want to yeah. be on that board just like my aunt is and then you know like you grow up and you're like what even what even what was, was that? that well like, yeah because we're kids it's kind of yeah. the way of like trauma when you're young like you don't you don't have the knowledge you don't no. have the capacity to understand certain things so it that's why it hits when you're older because you've experienced all this stuff and understood that you're like oh my god that was, that fucked, was up. fucked up. Like, there. <laughs> yeah. Why the fuck did we have to do that? Like, I just in think school. Like, it wasn't even like a religious school. No, it was like public. It was school. public school system in Utah, and that's why I think there's a lot of parents that would have an issue with yeah. that. But I don't think very many of us non-religious kids went home and told our parents because I don't remember going home and telling them what I did today. Because well, I think if I would have, my mom would have kind of been like, "What." Uh, <laughs> like, literally well and it's like even growing up LDS like I didn't really talk to my family about it either because mm -hmm. that was already the standard in our yep. family you already knew that that was like you were going to be waiting for marriage that was nothing new sex is taboo oh very much uh, just in in general which is so funny because like uh sex sells everything and yeah. it's like it's pushed in your face all the oh, time everywhere. but the actual when it comes down to the conversations that need to be had to have healthy uh, sex lives it's um it's too scary yeah. and people don't like to talk about it and like but what I don't understand is I remember having to take home this long ass list of words and my parents were supposed to help me with the vocabulary like petting and like oh. things like that I why feel the like I vaguely fuck? remember this why the fuck let me one more time why the fuck 
am I learning that? But the word consent is not on the fucking paper. That should be the one and not only, but that should be number one at the top of our vocabulary list when learning and teaching sex ed is consent. People want to sit and uh, kink shame the BDSM community, a lot of poly relationships. But what you guys don't understand is the biggest thing with these groups of people, their values are fucking airtight. Their biggest thing is consent and safety. The second that someone is uncomfortable and says such, it is done. Everything stops. Mm-hmm. That's how it works. So the fact that, you know, these types of groups that usually are looked down among the general public, they're the ones that are actually doing the goddamn thing that exactly. is supposed to be taught. And it should be, you know, and it would, you'd think that it would be common sense to have this conversation with your kids. And you think that like, you know, my parents never gave me the sex talk, like a legitimate, like actual sex talk ever. I don't think a lot of kids do. No, not here because it's so, it's so taboo in the Mormon community and in the LDS church, like it's very, very taboo. And it, that even extends further because like there's a lot of trauma and things that I had to go back and work through with like false teachings of the church that I had indoctrinated in me at such a young age that I still like to this day have, have to, to rip through. things out. And it's like they talk about sex being like the biggest sin. Premarital sex is like next to murder. And then all of a sudden you get married and all of a sudden sex is magically okay. And as like a 20-year-old female who has never done this, has never been properly educated in their life, has no, has no idea what type of struggles and traumatic events can happen in situations, right. even with a married partner, mm-hmm. they have no idea what they're walking into. And a lot of them struggle so much to cope with that after that it's like, how did you Imagine. not prepare them for this like whether they lose their virginity at 14 or they lose their virginity at 27 like absolutely they need to be prepared to understand what's going to happen how how it's going to happen they need to understand how to keep themselves safe because we obviously have issues here that nobody uh, ever wants to to talk about we had a full-blown chlamydia outbreak at Syracuse high school oh my gosh when I was there and it started with one of my exes who cheated on me and thank god I was okay Oh my goodness. You know, like it's just and I I blame these people for being reckless, but I blame the school system yeah. again for what they're teaching us because it just the amount of just lack of knowledge on things and even specifically men on how the female body works oh is just outstanding. A joke. A joke. It is and <laughs> thank God for the men that like either are aware and do know or like try to go out of their way to educate themselves Mm -hmm. because I don't think a lot of men do so it's like whatever we're taught by the people around us and the school system like that's what I know like I uh, let's get into this (laughs) this bill that was approved in Texas So this is called the Heartbeat Bill Abortion Law. Now, I am going to preface this really quick before I read um, this section from the Texas Tribune. Um, I am a pro-choice. That's where I stand. Um, However, I myself don't think I could ever get an abortion but I understand because I have been as you guys heard in the last episode 
have been in very different types of situations. And honestly, if I would have not miscarried the baby that I was pregnant with with my ex, I would have ended up getting an abortion because he was abusive and horrible. And I told you guys that his reaction. I, I gave I gave you guys that part of me for a reason. I I decided to do that for episodes like this because I need you guys to understand where I'm coming from. And if because of this you can't listen to the podcast, I understand that. That's okay. We just don't drive on that specific type of view. That's okay. But it's gotten to a point with the types of laws that are being pushed through that this is no longer just a should be a woman's concern. This should be a concern for everybody because it's not going to affect just the women. If they can start pushing laws like this, they can start pushing a lot more. So I am going to read this for you guys for anybody that isn't updated on the information. Uh, So the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, signed into law Wednesday a measure that would prohibit in Texas abortions as early as six weeks. The bill bans abortions after a fetal heartbeat has been detected. It includes cases where the women were impregnated as a result of rape or incest. There is only an exception for medical emergencies. Similar heartbeat bills have been passed by other states and held up by the courts, but Texas's version has a twist. Instead of having the government enforce the law, the bill turns the reins over to private citizens who are newly empowered to sue abortion providers or anyone who helps someone get an abortion after a fetal heartbeat has been detected. The person would not have to be connected to someone who had an abortion or to the provider to sue, just some random person, just random person, okay? Um... It goes on to say proponents of the new law hope to get around the legal challenges that have tied up abortion restrictions in the courts. While abortion providers typically sue the state to stop a restrictive abortion law from taking effect, there's no state official enforcing Senate Bill 8, so there's no one to sue. Abortion rights advocates and lawyers say the new law would allow for a cascade of lawsuits against abortion providers and would sap their time and money even if they ultimately won in court. Family members, abortion funds, rape crisis counselors, and other medical professionals could be open to lawsuits under the broad language in the bill, according to legal experts and physicians who oppose the measure. People who sued would be awarded at least 10 grand, as well as costs for attorney fees if they won. Every citizen is now a private attorney general, Blackman said. You can have random people who are against abortion start suing tomorrow. Diana Lyman Mercado executive director of Planned Parenthood Texas Votes, the political arm of Planned Parenthood affiliates in Texas, said the six-week cutoff amounted to an effective ban on abortions in the state because that's two weeks after your missed period. Most women (laughs) don't know by that time. So she says, when you factor in the time it takes to confirm a pregnancy, consider your options, make a decision, Schedule an appointment and comply with all the restrictive politicians have already put in place for patients and providers. A six-week ban essentially bans abortions outright. Amy Hagstrom Miller, head of Whole Woman's Texas, an abortion provider that has four clinics in Texas, said the law will have a chilling effect. 
and I must agree. That whole thing is just terrifying in and of itself. It's the beginning of Handmaid's Tale. I don't care. Like, I, I just, there's a reason why I had a hard time watching that show. I found that show at the beginning of quarantine when Trump was still in office, and I it got to a point where I couldn't do it anymore because mm-hmm. I just, the shit that was going on, um, you know, there was, God, and I wish I could remember what country it was, but I want to say it was out in, like, New Zealand or somewhere, but women were straight up marching oh, the Poland. streets. It was, it was Poland. Poland. Poland because of what their government's trying to pull on them and like the fact that we this is the world we live in it's so terrifying like I have goosebumps right now I'm just I'm so I get so emotionally fired up about this because it's like I I'm also pro-choice I'm also in the same boat if I were to get pregnant right now like me and my fiance would absolutely keep that but I understand that not everybody is in that same situation. Nobody's situation is perfect, but, like, not everybody is in a situation where they can mentally handle that, physically handle that, emotionally handle that, or even want to. And that's, like, the biggest thing. And you think about, Absolutely. like, bodily autonomy, and once they start taking away your actual right to bodily autonomy, which is a basic human right that's extended even unto dead people, they're telling you that essentially you're worth less than a cadaver in their eyes. And once they start taking bo- taking bodily autonomy away in that way, there's so many other, that opens, opens the doors. It opens doors for everything. For everything. For I mean, anybody. But, yeah. and, you know, obviously, um, because also with this bill, so if you have a miscarriage now, you are being investigated. You have a whole form you have to fill out. You have a whole interview process to make sure that you did not, commit an illegal abortion and I just <laughs> my heart hurts for those women absolutely that have to go through that that had it because I I didn't even want to talk to my own parents after what happened with me now granted mine was a weird situation because I was finding out I was pregnant and miscarrying all at once mm-hmm. however like for the moms that are wanting these babies and then to have to go through losing it and then accused and like have to go through a full investigation. It's a modern day witch trial. It's horrible. It's horrible. And I just think uh, a lot of men think that, oh, well, I'm not a woman, so I don't really need to worry about this. What if it's your girlfriend? What if it's your wife? What if it's your sister? Yeah. That's one thing that I have to, when I'm talking to people about situations like this, that's my biggest, like, people will say, well, why? Like, why do you care so much if you're not ever going to get one? And my why is because I don't want to have a daughter someday and have to raise my daughter with the knowing and the understanding that she was worth more to our federal government when she was a literal fetus in the womb than she does as she lives and breathes. Absolutely. Absolutely. That is my biggest. I couldn't agree more. My biggest why on that. My biggest like fighter for the reason why I've been such an advocate for this for same. so long is because I didn't want my sister to have to go through some of the same experiences that I went through when I was in high school, when I was still a child, when I was young, and I didn't have the education or the type of protection that I needed to make sure that I was safe. Because Absolutely. in Utah, everybody makes it seem like a bubble not always it's a not. bubble no but they make it seem like it is no it's not um and we will um 
definitely be talking about um, the hashtag Utah Rapist movement that went on last summer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be doing a full episode on that. But even that, it recovered a serial rapist that oh, has yeah. been operating for over 10 years. And I can say this with confidence because I knew this man. I was close with this man. I am fucking lucky that he never yeah. <laughs> hurt me. But it's things like that. If we don't know what to look for with stuff, how how can you sit and blame it on what you're wearing, how much you drink, like all these things. Like it's when you take away these kinds of rights, you're discrediting so many traumas and situations and forcing women to have to live every day with the product of said trauma. Oh, absolutely. And that's one thing, too, with, like, Utah and the abortion ban that they have here that wouldn't go into effect until Roe versus Wade is officially turned over. So it's not active, but it has been passed. And they have, like, exceptions for rape, incest, and medical necessity. But then you look at, like, their exceptions and... They have an exception for rape, but, like, our conviction for rape, rape in is this state is, like, nothing. It's nothing. So how are you going to gra- grant somebody access to an abortion in instances of rape when you can't even convict a rapist? You can't even keep them, which is funny that you bring that up because, like, just this past week, I'm pretty sure it was in Ogden, um, a known pedophile who was out on, he was supposed to be locked up. I don't know if he was out on bail or what, but he got caught looking into some little girl's window. Oh, and like he my got apartment caught. complex. That was your ap- Yep. Oh, I'm pretty sure. My God. Yeah, he was on the roof looking in, and he. God, the story we read it, and like, I listen to small town murder. So when I laugh, um, when I'm talking about morbid things, normally that's a coping mechanism, and I'm not like actually <laughs> laughing, but like reading that story because I think <laughs> when they first asked him, like, "What are you like? What were you doing yeah. up there?" He was all trying to chase away a raccoon like what What? you shouldn't have even like it just uh but anyways it's just the fact that yeah because same thing with this um serial rapist um he's awaiting court and has been and has been for months um and that involved and that's what's so hard about situations like that is there were about 30 women that came forward that were willing to share their stories anonymously through social media. Um, and then down to those, I think it was only about 10 to 12 that were, which I totally understand, that were okay with moving forward and uh, filing reports, things like that. But so many of them got dropped because of statute of limitations or insufficient evidence. And my issue with things like that is... <laughs> What kind of, like, I understand that there are those few women that make those lies, but it's actually, like, 3%. If not under. If not under. I think it was, like, a two-point something. Like, it Mm. is one in, I don't want to fuck up the statistic. I used to know it. I should have pulled it up. But it's most of the reports that are put in or most of the stories that you hear very much happened. Um So my issue is 
aside from that, like what kind of evidence would you like? Um, people don't take pictures normally when they're assaulting women. Oh, absolutely. And if it's not the day after within the first, like, I think it's what, 48 to 72 hours that you go get a kit. And even then I have a friend, my dear sweet friend that I grew up with that her rape kit has been sitting down in Salt Lake city for going on like three years, I believe. And her rapist is just walking around Salt Lake city. So it's just, it's funny that we have so many people that care pro-life, pro-life, but what about the lives of all these people surrounding you that maybe these things wouldn't be happening if we had the proper education set in place? Like, it all is connected. Well, and this is where, like, the contradiction really comes in for me, too, is when you look at the sexual violence statistics in Utah, it is one in three women and one in ten men. One in three women, that's, like, 33% of our entire female population Population. in Utah. And so that means that somebody that you know, whether they have felt safe enough around you to tell you their story or not, has had this experience. Next to that statistic, you have 80% of those, 33% of women are, this traumatic time happened for them while they were a minor which means they are still a child. So if you are pro-life and you care about children, why do you not care about this issue? Mm-hmm. They want to care about abortions more so. Beca- I think I think it's a... I understand. I understand. It's, it's a baby. Like, I, I get it. But, like, at the end of the day, nobody wants to sit down and talk about the issues with all the kids in the foster care system, mm-hmm. how broken that system is. Oh, absolutely. Um, they don't want to talk about all of the indigenous children that come up <laughs> dead and go missing. Um, you know, everybody cares about children, but only, only when it's not yours, not in your body, and it's not even a fruition of a real child absolutely. yet. But nobody wants to give a fuck or talk about actual children that are out here struggling because of the system that we abide by every day oh absolutely and it's so it's so hard to watch because you look at some of the things that happen and it's very apparent where our legislature and our government actually stands because you look at like adoption to adopt a child it costs about forty thousand dollars it costs ten thousand dollars for every round of in vitro that you get for ivf And so at that point, you can do four rounds of IVF and potentially, with pretty high chances, have your own child in the same amount of money it would cost to adopt a child. Why? Why does that even make sense? Foster care is broken. You look at the women that were detained by ICE and held at the detention centers at the border that were pregnant. euthanized I don't know if that's the proper term but they were performing hysterectomies on these women without their consent like who hears that and is just like oh that's things are fine well and it's like (laughs) the ones that were pregnant like they denied the medical care until they inevitably miscarried so like what about that baby if every child deserves a chance what about that child why did you not work for that child because it's not an American uterus that that child is in or what's the motive behind that and it's, like, it's so interesting because when I look at, like, pro-life, it's, like, I, it's pro-life while it's in your uterus. It's not pro-life when it's actually living. 
Because then you're a deadbeat, you're living off the government, you have all these different issues that they want to choose and complain on. And it just blows my mind because you see the, like, propaganda that comes out about abortion and all of all of these narratives about abortion, but then you stand back and you look at how many children they actually let die every year and you realize that they're spoon-feeding these people a narrative that is specifically designed to pull on your heartstrings Absolutely. so that you back that and you can get behind that and so that they have a support system. When because who's going to be the working exactly. class if people stop having babies? Exactly. That's the issue right now. I think that's why they're pushing these fucking laws because the millennials, they're, I can't even tell you how many reports I've seen about how most of us have been waiting to have kids. A lot mm-hmm. of us don't even want kids exactly. because of the world that we're in. But then who the fuck is going to fight for us in our militaries? Because even mm-hmm. that, just in general, people are not enlisting like they used to. Oh, no. On top of the fact, we're not going to have enough people to put in situations to be criminals, so our prisons are going to also dwindle down. Exactly. The economy is going to dwindle. We're going to have less of a working class. It just, it's all about money for the government. I understand for Sally down the street, she really is just wanting to fight for this baby and she believes Mm -hmm. that she's doing what's right. That's why perspective is so key and being willing to like listen to conversations like this. Like I hope, I hope that people who didn't necessarily agree with me at the beginning still stayed and listened to all of this and continues to listen because I think it's important to see different sides, especially because abortion, I don't know a single person that has gotten an abortion that was stoked about it, that wanted it, that was so, like, didn't give a fuck just as getting abortions left and right. I've never come in contact with a woman like that. Abortions are extremely traumatic, extremely traumatic, um, on top of just the overall stigma that comes along with it. But on top of the fact, there's just way too many different situations and scenarios of things that happen in everyday life, in people's lives, that we should be able to, across the board, make these illegal or go across the board and say six weeks you're done like I think I absolutely think that there should be a cutoff um you know unless there's something medically wrong Mm -hmm. the mom is gonna be you know compromised things like that you know there's a lot of situations that can happen especially with development of baby but it shouldn't be so early that it's already, it's basically making them full-blown illegal. Yeah. Because I just, I'm sorry, a few years ago, I was couch surfing. I was um, not in a good place financially. I was not in a good place mentally. And I'm not saying that if I would have gotten pregnant, I would have gotten an abortion because, like I've said, I think I'd have a hard time with it. But, like, you don't know, just like my situation with my ex. Like, if that baby would have stayed, like, do you want, would you prefer children to be raised in a home filled with neglect and abuse? Like, because there's a lot of women that shouldn't be moms. And oh, I yeah. I think we should start accepting that because I've heard so many horror stories or just, like, a lot of my friends that I know, and not saying that their mom should have, 
aborted them. I love my friends, but like some of their traumas and the way that some of them were brought up, like it's their their parents weren't fit to be parents. And then those, thank God, my friends all have done the work and are really amazing human beings, but there are people that come out of situations like that and aren't, and they carry their traumas out into the world, and it domino effects into other human beings. Exactly, and it's like, it's so, it's just so problematic at the core, and like, you were talking about, like, late terms, and there, like, absolutely should be a cutoff, and I totally agree that there should be a cutoff, but that's, like, another part to this narrative also that they'll use is, like, pictures and their propaganda of, like, a full-fledged child and not what most abortions look like, which are usually before, like, 12 weeks. Yep. And you look at, like, late-term abortions, and nobody, like... Nobody wants to be pregnant for, like, seven months and then just wakes up one day and is like, eh. I changed my mind, yeah, I guess. I don't want it. Like, By that point, you bonded. Yeah, <laughs> like it's you just picked out names. And yeah. you've, like, decided that this is what you want and this is the mm-hmm. life that you want for yourself. And to use those people's heartbreaking stories of having to lose their child that way because of usually it's medical necessity. Yep. You can't use their story as your narrative to why all abortions should be banned because they were not just out there killing this baby willy-nilly because they just woke up eight months pregnant and decided that they didn't want it. They wanted it, and there was something wrong that stepped in the way of them having it. That's another big point for me. Absolutely. Well, because all of the late-term abortions I hear, it's, as I mentioned, the way the baby has developed, Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of them wouldn't, you know, my... Um, poor uncle and his ex-wife, they uh, had their baby Afton and, you know, he, um, I can't remember exactly what was going on. I think it had to do with like his tubal development for his kidneys and things like that. And they knew beforehand when she was still pregnant, the doctors caught it and gave her that option. And she chose to just go through with it and however long he lived after however long he lived but some women don't even get that choice depending on what's wrong with the baby you can't and you're gonna tell me that (laughs) I just I don't understand how people think when they think late-term abortions they genuinely believe that it's the narrative of I just didn't want this anymore and I changed my mind instead of the reality of what it is and late-term abortions are severely traumatic I would argue even worse than early on getting one oh, yeah I would agree it would because be it horrible. really is like losing a child at that point yeah. like you that you did like you said bond with it and it's so interesting because growing up in Utah like the LDS church is very like no abortions they mm-hmm. are not a I fan of abortions Catholicism is like that too but they also don't support birth control exactly so like Christianity as a whole like obviously has some issues around this because in the Bible it states that like you're supposed to go forth and create and repopulate the earth or whatever I don't remember (laughs) but (laughs) something about how you're supposed to go like be parents and multiply something like that or the god (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's just so interesting Because there was a case, I believe, while Trump was still president or during his election in 2016 here in Utah where an LDS woman had 
five kids already. And if you're not familiar with Utah, that's pretty normal. We yeah. have really big families here. Yep. Uh, but she had five kids already, and she was pregnant with twins. And one of the twins was, like, absorbing the other twin. But this, sometimes. like, other twin that was going to survive had some other, like, type of defect that was going to kill this twin also in the womb and potentially had ran the risk of killing the mom wow and with the lds phase being so like anti-abortion like so pro-life do it you normally you'd think that they wouldn't and you get to this point where in with late-term abortions in the state of utah you have to go above a board of ethics committee and they have to deem that this is an appropriate time to end and terminate that pregnancy and she went back and forth for a very long time trying to decide what she wanted to do because, you know, she already has five kids, mm-hmm. but her bishop at the church told her, you have five kids at home that need you that cannot grow up without a mother. You need to go make sure that you're right that was a good and bishop. you're taken care of. And she went and she went ab- above the board of ethics committee, goodness, and got it. And she came out with her story on, I think, KSL around 2016, 2017 to talk about it because it was traumatic for her. But even as an LDS woman, she understands that not everybody's circumstance is going to be the same. Absolutely. She also agrees, like, this is, this is the reason why we need abortions. This is the reason why we need access to safe abortions. This is, like, the risks that people need to know that Absolutely. they're getting into. This is why actual sexual education is so important. Like, you have to understand all of these different moving parts and moving factors when it comes to this argument and this topic of abortion because it's Absolutely. not black and white. Absolutely. It it's never has never been. been. Never it never will, will be. be. Yeah, as most things, though, as with most things, Mm -hmm. because even, you know, I saw this, I shared it on Facebook, too, and it was pretty, uh, my posts, when they're passive aggressive, they're like lightly passive aggressive. (laughs) This one was going for the throat. However, I shared it because I was just kind of like, whatever perspective it takes at this point, because it was talking about how other women are so pro-life because they believe that it's God's will. You got pregnant because it was God's will. Well, if that's the case, then I don't want to see anybody up in a fertility clinic because that was also God's will Oh yeah, for you to not have babies. If that's what you want to throw on women, throw it back the other way. Like it goes both ways. So you can't sit here and use your God and your religion. And that's the biggest issue is things like that. And like these specific laws, especially out here in Utah, are very deeply rooted in religion. It has nothing to do with it. It's between capitalism, religion, and just like control. It is very much control. I mean, even if you look at like the schools and their dress codes, it falls directly in line almost with the LDS modesty standards. Mm-hmm. And you see like the influence in so many different ways. Like, Absolutely. um, like. We talked about, we touched on slut shaming at the beginning, and you see, like, in the LDS faith, they start teaching you from a very, very, very young age that it is your responsibility as a woman to cover up so that you can protect the virtue of you and the men around you, which subliminally teaches that men have an uncontrollable animalistic urge that is sexual desire I'll and that they cannot. If I see your shoulders. And if they're feeling that way towards you, it must be something that you, you did, did. It is your that fault. caused them to feel that way. 
And so you see this kind of ideology even outside of the church. It's just mm-hmm. the standard in Utah because it's so saturated. It's in our schools. It's, it's in been everything. our way of life since this state was established. Absolutely. And why is that? I mean, nobody wants to talk about how Mormonism started and how that kind of contributes exactly. to the way that it still is today, even oh, though it's course. been hundreds of years. I don't know, actually. I don't know what Utah was founded. Yeah, I, think, <laughs> I think 250 yeah, years is how been, long the church has been around. Yeah, it's been... So I just... Um, and it's interesting because education right so how before because this isn't the first time that we as women have had to battle laws like this because abortions did used to be illegal Mm -hmm. um and again that's something i should have looked up but they used to be illegal and so many women were dying by trying to do at homes um or were killed by their partners because you have to remember there are some really messed up people out there that if they find out that their partner's pregnant, they don't care. They will beat the shit out of a woman mm-hmm. and make sure that that baby miscarries. They was they were having a huge influx of violence and women dying from like hangers, just like awful, awful things that it doesn't have to be that way. No. And there's a reason why we did away with that. So I exactly history does repeat itself, but I like this time around I feel like there's a lot more people that are willing to hear the other sides Mm -hmm. and I my hope is that if the government keeps pushing more and more things like this that people will start to wake up like it's already started just in general Mm -hmm. I feel like with the pandemic yeah um and and even that I, I remember like right before things even actually popped off just like the weird energy shift yep, that started. Was. It felt like it was literally just like brewing. Yep. And I just, and ever since then, like there, a lot of things have been brought to light. I think that it was, it's been a huge cleansing for us. And I think that stuff like this is, it's a test. Like, are we just going to allow and just fuck it, whatever you say is okay with our bodies, because if we continue to do that, eventually I'm going to need my boyfriend's signature to get prescriptions. Literally. (laughs) Well, and it's like you look at, like, the history of women, and you go back to, like, tribal times and back to, like, when we were hunter-gatherers. Like, you, they find statues of, like, plus-size women from like 75,000 years ago and as fertility goddesses and goddesses of creation. Well, Aphrodite also was actually very, she was bigger. Like she, yep. like modern day likes to depict her very tiny yep. and she was not. Yep. And it's so interesting because you look at like, you look at like Viking culture and yes. their women could get a divorce. They could get their dowries Their back. women were treated. That was one of the only cultures yes. back in the day that held their women with almost more respect than other men. Mm-hmm, exactly. Because, and they were often buried with keys because of how many different like household things and like titles and things they would take on because if their okay. husband died, then they assumed the role of being the person that ran the farm and yep. being the person that- house. Exactly. They did all of this and they were so revered and so free. And you see like ancient Egypt is very much the same way. Like Isis and Osiris, like Mm -hmm. Isis, the goddess of creation, the sister goddess, like she was more of a goddess than Osiris was really a god. Like she had way more to do with 
being in their faith than Osiris ever did. And their women were absolutely revered. And you see it in their, what are they called? Their hieroglyphs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, because every single one that I've ever seen, it's the women are on the throne Mm -hmm. and the men are kind of, they're serving them. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like they're so, they're so revered in ancient culture. And then you look back at like the last 2000 years and you like go back to the beginning of Christianity. And that's kind of like when we lost our stuff. Yeah. Our power really started. And like, then you look at like the start of modesty and modesty historically was used as a tactic to control and oppress women. That's the whole reason that they had it around from the very start. And that's absolutely still the reason that they have it around today. You look at like the Mormon church also, for example, like if a woman walks out of the house in shorts that are a little too short or any type of tank top and it's like, boom, she's a slut. Yep. She'll, she's easy. She'll put out, she'll do all mm-hmm. this etc etc they all of a sudden have no respect for themselves but then you see the same like church going sunday guys on saturday playing basketball in a tank top and like really short shorts or and it's with their shirt off all the mormon boys were the ones that would get those really high up fucking swim shorts where their wiener as my mom would say is like (laughs) almost out and it's just like and honestly it was all of the mormon boys that were almost worse um, absolutely. out here you know they were the ones that were out having sex mm-hmm. and then going on missions so um it's just interesting kind of the dynamic of things and honestly like um next time I have you on we're gonna be talking kind of about how Christianity and modern day religion has appropriated and taken a lot of witchcraft paganism things like that, and molded it into their own. Same with astrology. Um, So that's going to be really fun to talk about. But um, I almost feel like our power as women also kind of died when, like, witch trials were a big thing. Like, things like that. Um, Because, I mean... I don't know where I was going with that, but <laughs> I just think that that was a huge turning point because before, I mean, and even what's funny that you brought up the Viking stuff, like that's the reason why Logan has me deal with money stuff because he is Nordic. That's his, yeah. that's his bloodline. So he's just like the women were <laughs> took care of that. So I'm just going to follow that and let you like, I would love to get back to a time period where, a powerful woman that stands in herself doesn't intimidate. Exactly. Because it's like you look at like how revered women used to be and then you look at like our history within the last hundred years and women could not even have a mortgage without their husband's signature until like the seventies. Which is absolutely insane to me because what like what what if you you don't want to be? Like you're married to this person, you can't get a divorce, they're Mm -hmm. abusive, like what are you supposed to do? I will. And that's why so many, I remember seeing this post that was, um, like talking about how, um, our relationships don't last like our grandparents did. And somebody was like, honey, that's because our grandma was pulling us to the side saying not to put up with this shit. (laughs) Like, um, there was a lot of women who thank God, even though lived in that cycle, did not want that for their next generations. And, um, it's just, it's really interesting. It's it, interesting how it's all contracted and it was built to make sure that 
were oppressed. You didn't. You don't have any power, and you're forced to stay in all these awful situations. Oh, and absolutely. The generational curse, that energy, just curveballed into us, but just in different ways. That's why you see all these really unhealthy guys mm-hmm. that have these super bad anger issues because yeah. great grandpa was beating grandma. Like, and oh, I'm yeah. not saying that's with every piece of shit dude out there, but like, I'm just things like that. They, they follow. Oh, energy does way. is not destroyed. It, it cannot be destroyed. It just changes. It's displaced. Yeah. There's so, there's so many things that are like generational curses in and of themselves. Like, as you look back on things like that in situations that like our ancestors, even if it was just a couple generations back, had to go through that still energetically affect our bloodline. Absolutely. Like you mentioned the witch trials. They talk mm-hmm. a lot about in spiritual practice where women usually come with what they call a witch wound, where they have a hard time opening up to people and letting their walls down to people because in a past life they said the wrong thing and got burned at the stake for it and that was a huge price to pay obviously so a lot of women have a witch wound Um, it's another reason why women sometimes I feel like society likes to pit women against each other and make them feel like we have to compete but it's also almost an innate feeling from right from the beginning because in the witch trials you look at that and it was like sister turning on mother and yep friends on friends and all of these situations and so it's like you come into this realm with these energies from all of the horrible things that happened in the past that already kind of puts you at a disadvantage where you aren't like men where they can instantly bond because they're a man but Mm -hmm. you see another woman and your instinct is to just yep guard up and compete and Mm compare and that is not the way that it should be but that's come from hundreds of years of social conditioning absolutely well and because we're not as powerful if we're not all on the same team right like um there's something about the divine feminine that same with the divine masculine if we could as a society learn how to get in those energies with ourselves that is just so powerful like a lot of people joke about overthrowing the government and like changing kind of the system of the world it's absolutely possible if we and it doesn't have to be this violent um crazy thing if we each as individuals took the time to really as we've talked about throughout this whole episode get to know ourselves educate ourselves if we had a better support for our education and knew how we're given the tools that we weren't able to have until so much later in the game, if we could have been given those tools so much early on and have all these human beings that are healthy, happy, know what they want out of life, um, and we were all treated equally. Because a lot of feminism is rooted in being treated equally, Mm -hmm. um, honestly, you know. So if we could get there, especially with (laughs) the toxic masculinity stuff, you know, I like my greatest wish. Like, I hope I have a lot of guys that tune into my podcast and start really doing work within themselves and allowing themselves to feel. And like, I think, I think both sides could use a little bit of balance in their lives. Um, And if we could all as a whole come together on this, we, we could really make a huge difference in 
the way the world is run. It would change the world in like so many different ways. And it's like you look at our society and we are very like masculine energy based. That's the type of energy that is really accepted Mm -hmm. and masculine energy is like a 24 hour clock where feminine energy we operate on a lunar cycle which is much slower and so everybody's trying to get into their masculine all the time they want to be in this masculine energy all the time but Mm -hmm. without the divine feminine you can't get anywhere because your divine feminine is what gives you the creativity and the ideas it's the ideas the the initial seed and the love and just everything is in this divine feminine where the divine masculine is the action and then you look at so many of our men and they have such a wounded divine masculine because of the way that they haven't been able to touch with their divine feminine and to really express themselves the way that they need to Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of very aggressive, very controlling, very manipulative men, and that is due in part to a wounded divine masculine. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think um, I really love this conversation. I'm really glad that we were able to talk about this, especially because I just feel like um, I'm glad that it wasn't specifically I didn't want to get so abortion this, abortion that, Mm -hmm. um, because I did think it was important for people to see that there's literally every single thing we talked about plays into this sh- this issue oh, yeah. um all of it it's all connected um and i just hope if anything it gave you guys something to think about a different perspective on things um you know i uh, shelby has been a pretty big local activist she's written to our old governor which of course you know no response i remember from that but yeah. she like she went ham sandwich, like a whole ass document. <laughs> so um, I really want to kind of be, be a little bit more involved. I'm going to do some research and kind of see what we can do. Like if people want to do something, I don't know if it's signing petitions, calling into local legislatures, whatever it is, we'll, I'll figure it out and I'll I'll touch base with you guys for anybody who is a lot like us that – just can't kind of sit by and just let things happen. I have a very hard time with that. And um, I think it's important when being active in issues like this, though, taking breaks. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, You're one person. We are each just one person as much as we both have very big ambitions for what (laughs) um, I just, we both, we both like, and I, the same reason I I think uh, I'm truly actually doing this podcast and Demi Lovato actually said it best. She just launched, they, they just launched a podcast. They are now non-binary for anybody that didn't know. Um, But their podcast, um, I loved it so much. And I remember they opened with, I just want to raise the vibrations of the consciousness of the world because it's 5D with Demi Lovato. And I just resonated so hard with that. I just, if this podcast can be as much as Shelby is a catalyst for the people around her and the people in this community that she comes in contact with, I hope this podcast is a catalyst for anybody who listens in one way or another. Um, But with that being said, do you want to plug your socials and kind of where they can find you and stay up to date with the bad witch club and all of the amazing things you're doing absolutely so you can find me on instagram at bad.witch.club just super easy to help you remember um and then my website is so my last name is nye like bill nye so mm-hmm. it's gem J- 
goodness, if I can spell it right. G-E-M-I, and then my last name, N-Y-E, mystic.com. You'll find all the information about the Bad Witch Club there available for you. Like I said, we're launching tomorrow, so it is June only... June 1st. Yep, tomorrow, June 1st. So it's only $5 a month. I made it really super easy for everybody. It's as much as a Starbucks latte for one month. Amazing. So if you guys are interested, if you do want to learn more about content. it, then here, find me, find me there. And it's going to be cool because even if you are more like leaning on just the spiritual path and you're not really super into witchcraft, like there's an ability to just focus on the spirituality side of things or vice versa, which witchcraft can be very spiritual. So it's kind of hard, but um, you know, if you're someone who isn't really feeling called to witchcraft, that's okay you can focus on your spiritual journey throughout what she has going as well. And on her website, which I will link all of this by the time this gets out to you guys, it will have been launched. Um, but she does have a cute little shop. She'll, she does intention candles and I have quite a few of her spell bottles that I just absolutely love. They're my favorite thing. Um, so she, she just does a lot of really awesome things and I'm really, really glad that you got to come on and do this because I just think that, this is going to be a really awesome conversation for people to listen to. And I hope that it resonates. Um, she will be back with me here soon, uh, for another really deep episode that we're going to do a huge deep dive into. I'm really excited. Um, honestly, I'm not quite sure what my next few episodes have in store for me. I am still working on getting things prepared for Spotify so we can officially launch this baby. I'm waiting on my logo um, these are pre-recorded episodes, but I do want to drop a few at once for you guys. So if you are listening to this, that means you are probably on the last like big drop <laughs> of my episodes. So again, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, thank you for all the support and your guys' kind words. I really appreciate it. Don't forget to leave a review on wherever you're listening. Leave me a comment, email in. If you have any topics you would like me to talk about or if you would like to be on the show, um, I've kind of realized, especially through my dad's podcast, like the best conversations come from just really cool local people that like, you know, a lot of people like the clout and like getting like somebody big on and they'll like, that's going to project my whole thing. But just like regular everyday people that have a story to tell I just think that that could be such a powerful way to connect and bring more unity into the world um so you know if you have a story you have something you want to say I also want this podcast to be a place for people to share their truth because that's why I'm doing this um you have helped me stand in my truth so much um, and really work through a lot of the things that have held me back this past year. So I cannot thank you enough for that at all. Oh, goodness. You're making me cry. I love <laughs> I you love so, you much. so much. <laughs> I love you. Well, you guys, thank you again so much for being here for another episode of Sad Girl Hours. And remember, you are beautiful, you are loved, and there is always another day. For you.